from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, whom we mutually serve. Amen. We're going to take a look at service from the perspective of um, nothing new under the sun, a little Old Testament passage and a New Testament passage. Uh, Joshua is, as God's people are about ready to go into the promised land and resume or, or begin this new life that God had promised, and he, and he reminds them about serving the Lord and how important that is. In fact, you remember what Joshua said about his family, right? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah, you remember that one, right? And in Galatians, St. Paul says to, to the children to, to serve one another. His brothers and sisters, he wanted to really emphasize this, that as part of the family of God in Christ, we have an obligation and a call, if you will, to be of service to one another. So, let's take a look at these texts. Be very careful to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. I, I think that's a little bit important because he doesn't say half your heart and half your soul or most of your heart and most of your soul. He wants all or nothing. Wholehearted service. In Galatians, St. Paul says, Brothers and sisters, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, in other words, what he's saying there is, don't be so selfish and self-centered and self-directed. But the gospel makes us other-directed, right? To God and others. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's just say a little prayer that I've been saying since I think I was in kindergarten, all right? My life, my all, I bring thee. Oh, grant me, I implore, thy grace to serve and love thee now and forevermore. Amen. When it comes to service, I, I want you to bear this mind that, that the reason I chose this theme is because I want to counteract what I think is an attitude that has crept in among God's people in the church. And, and it, it somewhat looks like this. Is this how service looks to you? And, and here's what I think, and you are always free to disagree with me. I'm a sinful human being just like everybody else in this room. But truth be told, I think that when God calls us to a lifetime of service to him and others, we view that as a sentence being handed down and it's punishment. I want you to remember something though. In the Garden of Eden, when God created his first two perfect human beings who were absolutely in harmony with God, on the same page in every way in their holiness and righteousness, he gave them work to do. He called them to service, to tend the garden, to manage his creation. That work was not punishment. It was not a life sentence. It was a, a good life sentence. Yeah, that work would become difficult after they rebelled and after they sinned, but try to remember this, that God's call to service, to serve him and serve others, is not a punishment. It's not a life sentence. Oh boy, grumpy griper comes out again. Why do I have to serve? You know, church has always got sign-up sheets, and the pastor's always asking for volunteers, and we're... 
you and I have been called to service. And, and maybe this picture reminds us of why we find that so distasteful. He's a nameless nobody that's going to spend the rest of his life in a six-by-nine cell, and maybe if he's good, he'll get into the exercise courtyard or be able to take a class. Have you ever been at a sentencing in court? I have. The man who killed my son-in-law in a car accident last October, I sat in that courtroom, and there was nothing joyful about that day. It's about the heaviest experience I've ever had. And there were no winners on that day. Not for us, not for him, not for his family. Solemn. And as that judge said to a 22-year-old fella, you are going to spend 18 years in state penitentiary, minimum of 12 served. You could see the hope and the joy drain out of him. And I'm afraid that sometimes when we view our Christian vocation, our call to serve, that's what happens. It's, I gotta, I have to. And, and I'm reduced to a nameless nobody. After all, who wants to be a servant? Have you ever thought about that in the Bible? There are very few servants that are named. You know, maybe Eliezer, right? And they're, but over and over again, the, the servants are just nameless nobodies. The servant did this, or the king sent his servant. They're just servants. Who wants to be a nobody servant after all? We don't care for it much, do we? And, and so our motivation sometimes gets all fouled up and all goofed up because we think, ah, we're just nobodies, and I want to be somebody, right? Let me remind you, and you, my, this is King David talking to his boy, Solomon. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. He knows what's going on. Oh, you know, the pastor caught me out in the lobby and he asked me if I'd do this and I just couldn't say no to his face. If he would have sent me an email, I probably could have said no, right? God knows if we're doing it out of obligation. You know, it, maybe you don't really have a lot of good warm fuzzies about your kids because now they're turning into teenagers. God knows when you serve them, oh, do I have to put up with another hissy fit? Do I have to drive them to high school again? Do I have to? Are you a grumpy griper when it comes to serving your family? God knows. And, and you know, we have gotten, my opinion, I think we've gotten lulled into sleep to thinking that we need to make, instead of being servants and nobodies, we need to look for ourselves around horizontally and find a way to be somebodies. And so sometimes we, we look at... Uh, our appearance, you know, all you got to do is spend a little time on social media and you'll realize how appearance is so important. I want to be somebody. The perfect family, right? The perfect marriage with the perfect kids in the perfect job in the perfect car. And we, we voice this, this appearance out there for people to see because we want them to think of us as somebody, not lowly servants. Ooh.
you know, I, I had a, over the 40 years of ministry, I had a lot of opportunities to try and help families and couples. And, and there were many that I thought were the ideal church-going folk. You know, they were in church every Sunday. They were happy. Husband, they sometimes even held hands in church on Sunday morning. You think, oh man, isn't that cool? They've got it all together. And all of a sudden you get that call. Pastor, would you come over? And you realized it was all they could do to even sit in the same room together. And, and in reality, they hated each other's guts. And their marriage was in shambles and their family is about ready to go down the, the toilet. I remember one time I had a, had a funeral and, and this was a couple that I thought was, you know, had it all together, right? He sang in the choir and he served on the church council and he had taught Sunday school and she was involved in altar guild and she was uh, president of the ladies' aid and they were the nicest couple, never missed a Sunday. And he finally died in his mid-80s or so and, and at the cemetery, you know, finally when it was all done, I, I walked over to her and I offered my arm. I just wanted to help her get away from the grave. And she put her hand through my arm and as we were walking, she just said, Pastor, he wasn't a very nice man. And in that one sentence, she told me her whole life story for the last 60 years. Appearance was everything. Appearance as though he was a somebody. Appearance that he was really right with God and right with everybody else. A true servant of Jesus. But he was looking horizontally for that which he could only find vertically. In Jesus, the right motivation, right? It, it's not about appearance. It's not about affirmation. It's not about how many likes you get on your Facebook page on your birthday. 137 Right? We love affirmation. We want people to like us. And you know, everybody's subject to it. You know, Satan works so hard in our twisted, egotistical mind that, that we can be somebody if we just get people to like us. If, if at the end of the service today, you're all coming out and go, oh, great sermon, Pastor Mark. Oh, man, that feeds the ego. I won't get my head out the door. Pastors are subject to that. And it's one of those things, it's not here about me. It is about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Sometimes it's about accomplishment. What we do, what legacy we leave, look at what I did. We want, we want to be able to say, oh my goodness, look at what you've done. Again, let me just remind you, God knows what's going on in your heart, why you do what you do. And if it's not done out of love for Jesus, then something's amiss. You know, when I was young, I think the first Bible passage that I learned was 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. His love prompts everything. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, see, the problem with Adam and Eve and all of humanity and all of us sitting here in the pews is that we think that it's our job to go from being a nobody to a somebody and it's all up to us. What Adam and Eve forgot was they had the highest somebody position in the, in the universe. They were the children of God, perfect and holy. 
And they lost that. They cast it down because they thought they could do better on their own. And, and we do the same thing, thinking that we can become somebody's without Jesus' love and his forgiveness and grace. He came and showed us what it was to serve to people who did not deserve it, who were worthless in every way because they sinned in their thoughts and their words and their actions and their desires. They weren't aligned with the word and the will of God. And he came and he gave up his perfect life in their place and his death in their place. And he rose again on the third day so that what? So that we can be assured that this life isn't the end, but that we've got a place in perfection waiting for us truly, right? That we'll really be somebody. But truth be told, in your baptism, God says, I want you to know you are really somebody. You are my sons and my daughters, crowned princes and princesses in my kingdom and my family. I am your brother, your redeemer, and your savior. You've been restored to somebodyness. Now in your somebodyness, be a servant. Can you get a higher calling than serving the almighty God? That's what scripture says. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Every day because we are servants of the Most High God, we get to crawl up on the Father's lap and whisper in his ear all of our concerns, all of our needs, all of our praise. And we can say, Lord, today, help me. Let, let my desires, let my thoughts, let my words, let the actions of my hands and my life be a thank you of praise to you. Because you gave me what I couldn't find any place in anyone else or anything else. You gave me Jesus. You know, in my devotions this last few weeks, I've read a passage in Psalms somewhere in the late 30s. And King David was saying, my sins are great and they overwhelm me and burden me. They are greater than the hairs on my head. I used to have lots of hair, okay? But then he makes the contrast and he says, but your kindness and unfailing love reaches to the heavens. You know, if you need to confess that you've been a grumpy griper, that you haven't always served God, or served others in your given role, then go ahead and do that knowing that his grace covers each and every one of our sins. All of them. So here's a key point. Service to God and others is a lifelong privilege of the position we're in and not a punishment for a long life of sin. God gives the likes of you and me the opportunity every day to say, thank you, I love you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Your life is your sacrificial thank offering, yes? Isn't that what St. Paul says in Romans 12? Offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Your thank you. You don't need to offer bulls and lambs and goats anymore. Not even turtle doves. Just offer yourself. Say, Lord, take me. Use me. Right? All right. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. In case you need that reminder, we just want to reinforce every bit of what you do is in service to God or others or what you fail to do 
is service that should be rendered to God and others, but isn't. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now, I just want to say this and I'll make it really quick. Only you can make your checklist. At the end of the day, as maybe you're confessing your sins to God, think through everything that you did today. And check off, did that bring praise to God or not? You know, when you put your shoes on this morning, did you look down and go, these ratty old shoes, I already really have new ones. I don't know why I got to wear these stupid old shoes. Or did you say, thank you, Jesus, that I have shoes? Because there's millions of people living around the world that have none. One, I think, brings praise, and the other one lives the life of a grumpy griper. God has big shoulders. He can hear those confessions. And he will extend his forgiveness to all of us. All right. In him we were also chosen in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. As people see you live your life, they're going to ask that question. Well, why are you always there for your kids? Right? Why do you want the best for them? Why don't you just let them fend for themselves? Throw them in their room with a tablet, let them figure it out. As long as they're quiet and don't bother me, that's okay. No. You are there to serve your children and your grandchildren by giving them Jesus, by shaping their souls and shaping their minds and shaping their habits, shaping their character. Serve him because as you do that, as you take an invested interest, you're giving praise to Jesus for his love to you. All right. Here's our other key point. Service to God and others is both unique and uniform as we live lives of service to the God of grace as our faith-inspired thank offering, right? We're not all the same, but in some parts of our calling, we are, all right? Remember this parable? To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. When it comes to service, don't look over your shoulder. Oh, that, that guy in the pew behind me, he's got way more talents than I do. I, I'm not a very good servant. Bah humbug. It was part of God's design. To some he gave many talents. I can't play the organ. Rhoda does a beautiful job, right? And she's probably got way more talents than I do. Right? And I appreciate that she's willing to use those talents rather than saying, huh, who does she think she is? I mean, you get to that point, Satan loves to infiltrate your family, the church family, your community, and make us look at each other askance. Truth be told is this is all part of God's design. Take what you've been given and use it to his glory in thanksgiving for Jesus. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord... Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. You mean, wait a minute, Pastor. You mean that the gifts that I've been given, my bags of gold, I got to use for them? Did, have you seen the way she looked at me when I walked into church this morning? Oh, he's here. Right? This is what I mean. But it would be so much easier if we could just give Jesus a hug instead. I'll be really blunt, right? I heard somebody give me a very blunt comment the other day. Pastor, sin sucks. 
And it makes a mess of families and the church. And he was right. I really got to love him. I got to love her. I got to find a way to serve them after the way they've treated me. They won't even give me the time of day. That's especially why the love of Jesus needs to motivate us. Just as he loved us, undeserving as we were, God says, just show the same love that I showed to you. This is what the Lord Almighty said, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. In other words, compassion, when somebody has a need and needs to be served, don't just say, oh, that's too bad. Hope it works out. Right? The compassion of Jesus led him to act and to do something. That's part of our call to serve. Don't just be a talker. Be a doer. Right? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. But this everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Wait a minute. What did he call us to do in our service to each other? Love one another. Could, could he have been more obvious in that repetition three times? Right? Show grace, show undeserved compassion, unconditional love. He says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Don't give up on each other. Be devoted, right? Well, you know, I, I tried having her over for coffee once, and she came. But, you know, I've been waiting for an invitation, and she's never invited me back. Don't give up. But be devoted. You don't know what's going on in her life. You don't know what's going on in my life. Be devoted and honor one another above yourselves. Don't let your nose get too high. Romans 12, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. I, I got to tell you a story. Maybe some of you have known me for 20 years, remember this story, but you know, my, my oldest daughter, Abby, when she was about four or five, we were living in the Twin Cities, and my car broke down. I can't even remember what happened, but on the expressway, I had to call the wrecker, right? So the tow truck shows up, and, and you know, I had picked her up from preschool, whatever it was, and, and, and this guy comes out, and he is just a man mountain, right? He is not clean shaven and he's dirty and he's tattooed from top to bottom and he's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and he just was a scary looking dude all right where do you want to go well my mechanic is at this gas station if you could take us right and, and you know we get into his tow truck and he's driving and i'm just sitting there going eyes straight ahead not saying a word i thought i have nothing in common with this cat right and there's Abby sitting in the middle seat bumping along, right? She says, my teacher says that everybody needs to know about Jesus. I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Oh, Jesus loves you. And I'm going, oh, Abby. And then I got done and I felt terribly ashamed. Because I just saw this as a scary guy that I didn't really want to have anything to do with. And Abby saw soul. She saw soul. And I think that's the difference. When love is our motivation, when everything we do is out of thanksgiving to God for Jesus, we put Jesus goggles on. 
And we see people differently. We see our life differently. We see our family differently. We see our church community differently. We're willing to associate. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ. You know, instead of going through life, keeping score with that little mental black book, you know, this is the third time you've done this in the last six months. When are you going to fly right and straighten up? We don't keep score anymore. We forgive each other just like we've been forgiven where, where we sin and we confess and God hurls our sins into the depths of the sea never to be seen again. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Help me be better. Use scripture and show me. All right, let's sit down together and discuss what God has to say so that his light and his truth is what guides us in our conversation. And you know, that admonishment is a, is a key word there. If, if you don't correct me or correct one another, you're basically saying, I don't really care about you. To say, friend, let's talk about how you're living your life or what you're not doing. That says, I matter, and you want me to be the best version of what God created me to be. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Boy, do we live in a country right now that loves to tear people down, huh? It, it, you can't turn on the TV or the radio without it. Be the difference. Serve one another by encouragement and building it, not giving insincere flattery. Oh, you're the most wonderful little husband I've ever seen in my life. Oh my goodness, I see the way you act with your kids. Ugh. Not insincere flattery, but build up and encourage, right? You never know when they're going to need that word of encouragement. All right, so serve him and by gladly serving others. Remember our original text. Be careful to serve him with all your heart and all your soul and serve one another humbly in love. May God grant you by his spirit of holiness that fervent ability to answer your calling to serve. Amen. Amen.